0: We'll take a few moments to um, take prayer requests. Uh, do be in prayer for the Casey family uh, in the homegoing of Miss Mary and certainly for God's comfort and grace to be there. Uh, I do have uh, some uh, information on the arrangements. Uh, if I can find them here again real quick. Give me just one moment. All right, uh, let's see here. Okay. So uh, uh, they'll have two viewings, Uh, one of them will be next Friday night from 4 o'clock until 8 o'clock at the Vineyard Funeral Home, and that'll be next Friday night, and then uh, they'll have another viewing uh, from a visitation from 9 a.m. until the time of the funeral services, which start at 10 a.m. at the Lighthouse Baptist Church, and that'll be on Saturday, March the 14th, so Friday evening and then Saturday morning before the service would be the two times of visitation. And the service being at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning at Lighthouse. Okay, yes, ma'am? Pardon me? Uh, that's what it says. Oh, I'm sorry. Nope, I apologize. I, <laughs> I read, uh, Brother Pyatt's doing the service from Lighthouse. I'm sorry. It is Faith Baptist Church in Festus. So the big church there on Pounds Road. I apologize for that. Okay, so, um, yeah. So that'll be, and that'll be on Saturday morning. Pardon me? There is a gas station down that way, yes. Okay, so 4 to 8 on Friday at Vineyards, if you want to go to that visitation. And then on Saturday morning from 9 to 10, with the funeral starting at 10 uh, at Faith Baptist there on Pounds Road. Okay. All right. So that being said, then we'll take other requests. Yes, ma'am. Not this coming. I'm sorry. It's on the 8th. Is that right? Well, let's see. What would that be? Uh, Let me make sure I'm telling you right. Let's see what it says here. I'm sorry, March 13th. Okay, yeah. So it'd be next, a week from this Friday. I was trying to read it in its small print here. So March 13th, uh, which is a week from this Friday. Yes, it would be Friday night. Okay? Should I just read it straight the way it says? <laughs> now we got everybody confused. All right, I'm going to read it just the way he has it worded here. All right, if I can see it, I can't get it to turn. So. Alright, visitation 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Friday, March 13th at Vineyard Funeral Home in Festus. And then visitation from 9 a.m. until the time of the funeral service at 10 a.m. Saturday, March the 14th at Faith Baptist Church in Festus. And Brother John Pied will be doing the service there. There will be an internment at Rose Lawn Memorial Gardens in Crystal City. And um, they ask in lieu of flowers that there be... Donations made to the Living Springs Camp care of Second Baptist Church. Okay. All right. Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> um, let, me, let me try to get a hold of Brother John tomorrow and see if that's... I'm sure that's something their church is going to probably do, but if, if they needed some help, I could certainly check on that. Sure. Absolutely. All right, so I'll check on that tomorrow. And uh, I'll let, uh, well, we'll have time. So I can, I can announce it Sunday if we need to do that, so that'll work out. Okay? All right. <laughs> now, we've got all that taken care of. Uh, prayer requests. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. All right. So pray for Brother Keith's glasses. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Jesse Bucklew has pneumonia, <clears throat> and uh, talked to Miss Mary. Texted Miss Mary about an hour, a couple hours ago. She said he has a touch of pneumonia. Uh, the doctors have given him antibiotics, and he's resting at home. He is doing better, but it's still not over everything. So continue to pray for him. Uh, with his, he has a heart condition. A lot of people don't know that, and so anything that like this nature is uh, very serious for him. Uh, he has a real difficult time with it. So pray for that. Uh, and yes, ma'am. Yes, pray for the folks that got hit with a bad tornado in Tennessee. Also, uh, Miss Linda Craig's uh, daughter texted me just about 15 minutes before I came over here. And she's been in urgent care most of the day with uh, uh, low oxygen levels. And they can't get them up. And so now they're... They were calling an ambulance at the time that uh, right before the service to take her over to Jefferson, and then just long enough to stabilize her and get her up to one of the bigger hospitals up in the city. I can't remember which one. Which one? To uh, one of the big hospitals up in. The, let me see if I can get that one for you too. Where would we be without uh, our notes here? <laughs> uh, taking her up to Barnes. So as soon as they get her stable at at Jefferson, she'll be going up to Barnes, okay? So keep her in prayer. Uh, She's been there most of the afternoon this afternoon. They've been trying to give her some breathing treatments and help her with that. So uh, pray for that. Yes, ma'am, Ms. Donna? Uh, As of Sunday, she was still in the hospital. Uh, Last time I saw her, which uh, was the end of last week, she was sitting up in bed doing really well and ready to go home, really. But uh, I think they're trying to keep her for some observation. They may, uh, I don't know, because she didn't know a whole lot of what they were doing, but they may have been trying to maybe move her surgery while she was in the hospital, maybe to go ahead and do that or something. I don't know. Uh, Miss Sandy? Yes, ma'am? I'm sorry. you're, You're looking at me like... Oh, did you see her at... Oh, at Scenic View? Okay, so she must have gotten home. Okay. Okay. Hey, I didn't hear the last part. Right. Okay. Okay. Okay, but she is home now? She's at that scenic view? Okay. Alright, so pray for her. Also, Miss Lorna. Okay. Alright. Yes, continue pray for Miss Laverne. Yeah, she's got a lot of therapy ahead of her at best, probably, and so continue to pray for her. Uh, Miss Lorna, Lorna, uh, if you came in tonight early enough to see it, uh, Miss Lorna took a fall Sunday going out the ramp here and fell into the rose bushes. And so we have absconded with the rose bushes. They are no longer there. Uh, And we'll be putting something else that's less uh, thorny, a little softer. Pardon me? Bubble wrap, padding, uh, yes, but I, I felt really bad. She uh, she fell right into the plants. Brother Keith, I think, was the one to catch her, just kind of kept her from going too far into them. But she did get some thorns in her and stuff, and so pray for that, if you will. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, so pray for Ms. Donna's family. Yes, ma'am. here at Mercy. Okay. All right. Okay.
1: All right. Okay.
0: Okay. All right, any other unspoken requests tonight? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of us. Okay, nine. All right, yes, ma'am, Miss Linda. Okay. Oh, okay. All righty, so pray for Brother Ron. And, or he needs to be saved too. You mentioned is that correct, or you're not sure of it? Okay, so continue to pray for that also. And uh, also Bob Schwabert, continue to pray for him. Uh, still not doing real well, and so uh, at this point probably just be a continual decline unless God intervenes there. So uh, pray for him and the family. Yes, ma'am, Miss Kim. <laughs> there you go. Very good. Miss Sandy? Okay. Okay. All right. Yes. Right. I see. Okay. So pray for him, Gail Michael, and pray for that situation. Yes, ma'am?
1: Right, but mm-hmm. Okay. And no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. this And then I Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. hmm
0: Okay. All right. All right. Yes, ma'am, Miss Mm-hmm. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, pray for uh while I'm thinking about it, because uh, I know he's a good friend of uh of Michael's, uh pray for Brother uh Kaiser, Brother Matt Kaiser. Uh I'd found out a couple weeks ago that he resigned his church up here, uh, because uh, apparently he has MS and it's uh progressing and uh some other issues that were there. Uh so pray for him. I don't know physically where he's at on some things, but uh Apparently, it was significant enough that he felt that he needed to resign up there. So pray for him and, of course, the church as they uh, look for a pastor. And uh, so pray for uh, that situation. Right. (coughs) Uh-huh. I don't know, I, but we do. We certainly. I don't know enough information. I'll try to find out some more. But yeah. Mhm. Sure. Sure. Right. We'll continue to pray for him because I know uh, he and Michael had served together too, and, and he's got some physical problems also. So continue to pray for him. All right. Anything else? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Ms. Kimmy? Oh, okay. Good. Praise the Lord for that. Absolutely. All right. Jonathan? Yes. Pray for my sister. Uh, I've mentioned a little bit about her. Um, got a call yesterday morning, and she had some blood work done, and they found some abnormalities and um, believe it to be a tumor. Uh, they've not found the tumor yet. Uh, but she has a lot of symptoms that my dad had uh, when he got pancreatic cancer, and so we're very concerned about that as a family. They're uh, fairly certain it is a tumor. They uh, do not know yet if it's a, a cancerous one or not, but uh, the fact that the blood work was not right uh, leads us, gives us cause for concern. And so if you can keep her in prayer, uh, her, la- her name is Leanne Britton, B-R-I-T-T-O-N, Leanne Britton. And she's had a lot of pain with this, so it's uh, been a, a very distressful time for her. Uh, a lot of distress and uh, the pain and the trying to, to get through and cope with just day-to-day stuff. So pray for her if you would. And Jonathan, I don't know why, for some reason, I sound like I'm really... Am I quiet tonight? Uh, check, check, testing one, two. I, something's not right there. We'll have to figure that out. Uh, is there a PFL or an AFL light on? Check, testing, nope. I don't hear it. It's, I can't hardly hear myself up here and that's unusual. Go ahead. There we go. Is that getting better? Testing one, two. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, that's it. Let's pray and go home now. Uh, all right. That sounds a little better. Okay, I appreciate it. So, yeah, for some reason it just sounded, it didn't sound right to me tonight. Everything sounded quiet, so. All right. We're going to be looking for a new deacon, by the way. uh, Just (laughs) be. so. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Uh, Also be praying we've got a couple of decisions to make for the church. And uh, we've got an opportunity to uh, uh, change our lease on our copy Equipment downstairs, which we had mentioned in our business meeting, we were going to be uh, looking into, and uh, he came back today. They'll give us a newer, better machine with more copies included for less money. So uh, that's a really good opportunity for our church to save some money throughout the year. Uh, initially, it'll be forty dollars of savings, but uh, we paid some overages in clicks this year, and uh, that's when you don't you have to pay per copy. Because you've exceeded what you had in your package, so he was able to increase uh, our volume, so we don't have to pay those overages anymore. So it should result to probably a hundred or two hundred dollars in savings uh, over the year uh, for each of the next three years. So we praise the Lord for that. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but every every dime counts and every every dollar matters. So uh, we praise the Lord for that um, that uh, opportunity. And uh, I've got brother. Wayne looking over the lease now, and uh, Brother Randy will look over it on Sunday, and then we'll uh, let you know uh, Sunday morning kind of how things are on that and what we're going to end up doing there. Um, But um, a good way for us to, to be a little better stewards, I think, in that area. So we praise the Lord for an answer to prayer. All right, anything else? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful for the opportunity to come to you tonight and to meet together. Lord, what a joy it is to be around your people and to have the time of fellowship And uh, then, Lord, we're thankful for the privilege that we have to call you our Father, uh, to know that uh, you are able to, uh, and that you give us the right to come to you, that you're able to hear us and answer our prayers. And so, Father, we've come to you tonight, we've brought the burdens that you've asked us to bring to you, and we've uh, asked for the grace to be able to lay them at your feet and allow your will to be done. And Lord, many of our folks that are sick, we think of Miss Linda Craig tonight and what's going on there and and right now uh, just in in, uh, uh, a situation where we need you to intervene on her behalf and uh, allow her oxygen levels to come back up and for her to be able to breathe well. uh, Give the doctors wisdom and skill. We pray for Brother Bob Schwabert tonight. and (coughs) (coughs) We didn't mention Miss June tonight, but continue to pray for her and the, uh, the uh, testing that she's going through right now for some things that they're concerned about. Uh, we think of my sister tonight and uh, certainly the uh, concern we have as a family with uh, the tumor and uh, the things that they're concerned with. Uh, then, Father, for uh, Miss Laverne tonight. Lord, she's been through an awful lot in this uh, surgery and trying to go through therapy and rehab, and I uh, pray that you will continue to bless there. We think of Miss Carol Dow tonight. And uh, the physical problems that she's going through, we pray that you'll give her grace and the strength to go through it. Uh, that again, the doctors will be able to treat and, and deal well with her. Uh, and then, uh, Lord, for Miss Cordia and uh, Miss Lorna, both of them over at uh, uh, Scenic View, and uh, Lord, we know the uh, distress that uh, Miss Cor- Cordia is in with regards to the surgery. And Lord, I pray that you would either heal or give great grace and great peace uh, that would allow her to be able to endure the surgery. And so, Father, we pray that You would bless there. We think of uh, Gail Michael. Uh, we think of uh, Miss Linda's brother, Ron, that You would bless in that situation. And, the Lord, many others. We think of Michael tonight. And, uh, Lord, that You would bless him. Give uh, grace and comfort and peace where it's needed. We think of Brother Matt Kaiser and uh, the physical problems that he's uh, had and um, certainly the heartbreaking thing of resigning the church and the, the church there needing to look for a new pastor. I pray that you'll guide and give wisdom there. Bless Brother Matt and Miss Kaiser as they uh, uh, pray for what you would have for them in the future and that you would strengthen them. Uh, We pray for Brother Keith and Lord I know it sounds like a small thing but uh, needing some glasses and uh, Lord how important that is to him and I pray that you'd help them either to be found or to provide some new ones for him and that uh, that that situation would be taken care of. We think of uh, Miss Donna's family tonight and uh, the situation, the things that are going on there. We don't know all of the things that are happening but Lord you do and we pray for your will to be done and guidance to be given, that their hearts will be given to you. Uh, Lord, we do pray for (coughs) direction in our church, and that you would guide us and direct us and lead us, help us to be sensitive to what you would want us to do, that we would be confident and know of your will in what you would want for us to pursue in the uh, upcoming days. And Lord, as we study about uh, uh, leading people to Christ and being better equipped and having the the resources and tools at our hands to be able to uh, understand the people that we're talking to, to be able to communicate uh, well with them. Lord, most importantly, we ask that your Holy Spirit would go before us and empower us and work in the hearts of those that we will speak to and that uh, you would draw them to you, that you'd give us opportunity and help us to be aware of those times and those opportunities to share the gospel. And so, Lord, we do ask that you would guide and direct in all of these things. Lord, others that have unspoken requests tonight, that you would bless there. And, Lord, the uh, blessings that were mentioned tonight, Lord, really if we were to take the time to rejoice and give thanks for the blessings that you've provided to all of us this week, time would fail us. And so, Lord, tonight we just say thank you for those things and pray that you would continue to uh, give your blessings to us out of your bounty. Lord, not because we deserve them, but because of Your grace. And I pray that You'll bless the teaching time tonight, uh, stir and direct our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles, if you will. And we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter number 18 again. We're going to try to finish the lesson from last week (coughs) just by way of quick review. And by the way, uh, if you were not here last week, Uh, to get the handout we gave out on The Fruit of Joseph Smith. Would you raise your hand real quick? Brother Keith, would you mind maybe? uh, I've got uh, three or four more copies, I think, down here if you need one. The Fruit of Joseph Smith. So uh, let me just back up real quick, give you a quick synopsis in a nutshell, a high-level overview, if you will, uh, of um, what we're trying to accomplish in leading a Mormon to the Lord. Some great questions were asked a few weeks ago. Uh, one of them being, a lot of the, the uh, Mormons that you will meet will probably be their missionaries that come to your door. Uh, you may meet some out in public, and that's fine if God opens the door for you to be able to talk with them. But uh, normally, it's probably going to be one of the missionaries that knocks on your door. If that's the case, um, Brother Harold had brought up that the, up in his area, they rotate them every six months uh, to a new area. And so, uh, that being the case... Um, it's important if you if you're able to open the dialogue with them and talk with them and, and have them give you time. Uh, it's important then that you reschedule more time with them if they're willing to. And uh, if you don't, uh, they may not get back around in that six month time, or at best maybe one other time. And we've we've explained all along the way with the Mormons, it's a lot of seed planting. You, it's just very small steps many times in in doing this. Uh, I am not discounting the power of God's Holy Spirit and His conviction. Uh, I certainly know that people can be saved the very first time uh, that you lead them to the Lord. However, uh, in studying about the Mormons, all of the ones without exception that I have studied, it took months and years of God working on their life in many cases for them to be brought out of the Mormon uh, movement and their beliefs. Uh, So there's two parts to what we're trying to do, very high level, if you go to the The top part of the the pyramid or the umbrella part of what we're teaching here, everything else falls underneath this. There's two main things we're trying to accomplish. First, we're trying to get them to uh, 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 understand the error of what they believe. And that's a hard one. That's a very, very difficult one because of the way they base truth. Uh, They believe that truth is truth because of a feeling that they have. It's hard to combat that, especially when something happened in their heart that I believe was a legitimate feeling, but the problem was it wasn't the Holy Spirit of God teaching them these things. It was uh, some other influences, perhaps from Satan and uh, some of his uh, ability to do some of that. The second thing we have to do is after we have caused them to, uh, to uh, understand that what they believe is wrong, then they have to have something to believe in. Uh, the Bible and Jesus spoke about a man who uh, had a demon cast out of him. And uh, the demon went and roamed the earth and didn't find a place to, uh, to reside. And so he comes back to the man and he finds the, the house uh, swept and clean and he brings seven other uh, demons with him, uh, even more powerful and more disastrous and moves in. And so what happens if we get the Mormon to the point of realizing that the Mormon faith is not right, it creates a vacuum then. What, what do they believe? What can we give them to believe? Everything they believe that was truth is now shattered, how do they know what is truth all of a sudden? And so we're going to have to be able to help them with that. We're going to have to be able to nurture them along the way. Uh, Next week, Lord willing, if everything works out right, we're going to be doing a study uh, on our King James Bible. And uh, we're going to probably take two weeks on that uh, because it's important for us to be able to show them that the Bible can be trusted, that it is without error, it is without uh, contradiction. The problems that they have with the Book of Mormon, uh, the covenants and doctrines, the Pearl of Great Price, history of the church, and some of the writings of the apostles of the, uh, of the uh, Mormon faith, they won't have those problems in the Scriptures. But we need to be able to show them that. And so I will say this. We need to be able, and, and I'm going to say this carefully because a lot of people in here have been saved a long time. But the truth is many people are unskillful in handling the Word of God. They don't know it well enough. They don't know its doctrines. They don't know its teachings and its principles. And we're talking about people many times that have been saved for a lengthy period of time. And it does us well to know our Bible. It does us well to know how we got our Bible, why we believe it to be not only inspired but preserved without error. Uh, and, and we believe that to be in the King James Version. Uh, and there's uh, reasons why we believe that, and it's important that you know those reasons. Uh, the... the it's easy for us as God's people to say our, our main reason we believe that is because we have faith that that is. And that's fine for us because we already know it to be God's Word. But for someone who does not know it to be God's Word, it's going to take some knowledge and some things to show them how that they can trust this book for what it says. And so we're going to be doing a lesson, Lord willing, starting next week on that one. And uh, probably be a two-week lesson, I believe, because I don't want to really rush through that one. It could probably be much longer even than that, but I don't want to bog down in it. I want to give you enough that you have a good framework, and it will cause you, hopefully, to have your appetites whetted to study it further, uh, to know a little bit more, even on your own. And we'll help guide you with some resources that can help you with that and knowing about that. So the the high-level overview, we've got to get them to the point where they, they understand that the Mormon faith is wrong, they need to get to the point where they understand that the Bible is truth. Uh, we are, the, the Bible talks about the church being the pillar and ground upon which truth rests. And so we've got to be able to establish that uh, in the hearts of these folks. Now, uh, some of the ways that we can do this is, in the first part of it, is to help them understand that uh, the folks that they believe were true prophets are not true prophets. And so there were four criteria we gave you a few weeks ago. We gave you a handout. And if you need one of those, I still have a few copies of that up here. Uh, on the four things that we will be in agreement with that determines a, a false prophet. Uh, things that are scriptural requirements. The Mormons, even in their own writings, will uh, attest to these four things. And they'll say, yes, in order for him to be a true prophet or apostle, uh, he, it has to be. Uh, he has to meet these requirements. Uh, one of those requirements is uh, the fruit of a true prophet uh, will be will produce good fruit and it won't produce evil fruit. And that's one of the four uh, things that we would look at. Uh, and so last week we started dealing with the topic uh, of <coughs> excuse me of the fruit of Joseph Smith. Okay, so this is another. Uh, we've given you a handout, and we'll probably give you one or two more, uh, of things that are in contradiction, things that don't make sense in the Book of Mormon, in the Doctrines and Covenants, things that will cause them to question the error of that. This is a, another type of uh, uh, direction you can go, but again, as we've said so often before, we've got to be careful to do it in small bite sizes. Uh, if they feel a spirit of contention, they will leave, and the conversation's over. We've lost the opportunity. So uh, be careful of that. I think we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to give us that discernment in talking with them, to know how far is too far how how far is just far enough. And I do believe this. I believe the Holy Spirit will guide us in that. Uh, we will know when it's time for us to, to not bring any more to the table. Let them dwell on that and think on that and know about that. So I think that's very important that we're careful of those things. So we're dealing here with the third requirement of the four things that we gave about uh, a true, the test of a true prophet, and uh, the fruit of Joseph Smith. This is an important one because they do believe that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. In fact, in their testimony meetings, which they do once a month, uh, they affirm this. They they get up and they the part of their um, their endowments of making it to the celestial heaven. Uh, their testimony has to remain faithful. The testimony is uh, that they believe that. Uh, Joseph Smith was a true prophet and that the Book of Mormon is true. They have to state those two facts uh, in their testimony. Uh, So this is a very, very important thing to them. If Joseph Smith was not a true prophet, then everything else crumbles underneath it. And so uh, this is important for us to understand. So we looked at some things uh, on the handout last week. Uh, If you would, turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 18, and uh, we're going to look at some scripture here. Uh, We talked about some of his family life, his immorality, his... Uh, Polygamy, uh, the fact that he was marrying uh, and uh, defiling underage young ladies. uh, And um, then uh, the fact that he began to change some of his own prophecies so that uh, it would uh, better coincide with other prophecies that he was going to give down the road. So even he changed some of the things himself. We talked about his word of wisdom and the revelation, continuing revelations that he would continue to get from the Lord. We talked a lot about all that last week. And then we started showing the ties between the Mormon Church and uh, Freemasonry. Now there is a very very close tie that takes place here, and while the the Church does not, the LDS Church does not strongly promote this. Uh, I will tell you that the the tie is there, and all of the material that you'll find here under the connection to Freemasonry and the occult is is given to us by a man who. Uh, at the time that he wrote this, and I'm not sure later in life if he came out of it or not, but at the time that he wrote these sources, he was part of the LDS Church. So we're not giving you uh, an outsider's opinion of things. We're giving you the things that they actually believe. He's putting down things that they actually believed in their ties to uh, Freemasonry and even so much uh, of the occult. I, I want to say this carefully because it's amazing to me how many people are either directly or indirectly touched by Freemasonry, even in our Baptist churches. And it's interesting that many Baptists, because of the fact that Freemasonry will use uh, a King James Version of Scripture, they do not realize that their basis of what they go through, what they practice, is in the occult. Uh, And I don't mean that to be... something that is just being mean-spirited. This is something that is a fact. Um, And it's sad to see so many times I've been in churches, uh, dear friends of mine that were raised in Baptist churches and Bible-preaching churches that have gotten involved in Freemasonry. And at the lower levels, they they don't understand the tie. But by the time they advance and they go up into the uh, different levels of masonry, uh, they begin to see... Uh, some of the symbols. But by then, they're so wrapped up in it, many of them do not leave it. And so uh, we need to be careful of this. Look with me, if you will, Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 18. We read these verses last week. I'm going to take you to another passage tonight, Lord willing, if we get there in time. But let's look in verse number 9. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse number 9. <clears throat> when thou art come, this is instructions that God is giving to the nation of Israel. He says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, Thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. And by the way, if there's any other verse of Scripture that's good about uh, how Christians ought to be separated from an ungodly world, this is a great verse. That we not be uh, involved in or go after uh, the abominations of those nations. Verse number 10, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer, for all that do these things are, what's the next word? An abomination unto the Lord. Now, there were several abominations that God listed in Scripture. Uh, We oftentimes skip over the ones that we have a problem with. Because the very top of the list is a proud look. And yet we don't fight on that one very much. We don't, we don't argue that point. We don't preach that point very often because we have it in our lives. And we've said it so often before, the worst sin that's out there is the sin that somebody else has. Uh, right? I mean, it's never our sin. Uh, we find a way to justify what we have. But uh, the idea of an abomination, these, God hates all sin. But there are some sins that are just above and beyond, that are just beyond what he can tolerate. And not that he tolerates any of it, but you understand what I mean by that. There's some things that are more offensive to him than others. And as we get to verse number 12, the one that will delve into this idea of spiritualism and divinations and the occult uh, the Bible says that that's an abomination uh, to the Lord. Uh, and uh, because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Uh, so very important that we understand this. Uh, I'm appalled at how many, even parents, will allow their young people to watch and read uh, things like Harry Potter. And I'm just going to go out and call them out, Okay. Uh, things that deal with occultist natures that have become so popular, wizardry, witchcraft, uh, these kids get wrapped up in it. It's a fantasy world to them, and and a lot of parents think, well, Brother Greg, that's just fiction, that's just fantasy. No, can I tell you this? There is a very real uh, scenario to this, and the Bible calls it uh, wrestling with principalities and powers, and things uh, in this uh, world, uh, principalities and powers in high places. And the idea being that there is a very real sense to this. Uh, This is not something that's just made up or make-believe. It's a very powerful thing that can grab a person's mind and wrap it up uh, very carefully. Now, I will say this. As a Christian, somebody asked me this last week. As a Christian, uh, there's nothing that Satan can do to us that God does not give him permission to do. Uh, He's not going to come and possess a Christian. Uh, He can possess a lost person, but but Satan can oppress us. He can influence us. He can tempt us as the Lord allows his hand, just as he did with Job. Uh, He allowed Satan to tempt Job. Uh, He put a hand uh, on him. Uh, Satan can do those things to us, but only as much as God allows, and God would never allow for Satan to have uh, ultimate victory in that. Uh, However, uh, a Christian ought not, on the other side of that coin, give himself to these things either and uh, because when we invite Satan in uh, we we certainly open the door for that and so we've got to be so careful of those things all right so let's take a look at this I've given you a handout again this is coming from uh, an LDS source so uh, this is written by uh, a fellow by the name uh, see if I can get uh, I think this is from then uh, w- Richard Van Wagner if I remember correctly uh, on the source, I'll, I'll have to double check that for you. Make sure I get that for you. But uh, Mormonism is linked to the occult. Both Joseph Smith and his father uh, were uh, money seekers. They were. Uh, they looked into a seer stone uh, before they uh, developed the Mormon. Before Joseph Smith developed the Mormon uh, Church, they would go out and uh, try to peer into a hat with a stone that was supposedly to show them where. Uh, treasures were buried, and then they would go and try to dig them up. Uh, The article tells us here uh, that they didn't make a whole lot of money doing that, as you can imagine. Uh, Not a whole lot of things. But I have often wondered this, that Joseph Smith, throughout the course of his life, uh, let me put it this way. When I was a kid, and I uh, used my imagination to play, I would use that for a period of time, but before long, that got boring because nothing really was ever real about it. And so I would leave that and go on to something else that was imaginary. Joseph Smith never leaves the idea of the seer stone. Uh, This is just Gregology here, okay? I'm going to give you first Gregalonians for a minute. I truly believe that there was something happening in that hat, either in his eyes or in his heart, for him to continue to hold to this throughout his entire life. If there was nothing to the seer stone in his mind, Uh, Because at a certain point, he doesn't do it for gain, for monetary gain any longer. But he continues to use the seer stone. And can I tell you this? I I certainly believe that Satan is able to appear to people in forms and visions and things that that they are seeking and opening their heart to. And when they call out to that, that that Satan is able to do those things. I've heard uh, from missionaries that have served on foreign mission fields that would tell you things that make your hair stand on end. It doesn't make mine because I don't have enough. But uh, in all honesty, they've seen with their own eyes things that are unexplainable. Folks, can I tell you this? Satan is nobody to mess with. Uh, I don't know why in the world we think that we can just kind of uh, live a laid-back, careless uh, life of leisure in the Christian life when we have such a formidable foe that is seeking whom he may devour. He's out to destroy you and He's out to destroy me. And if we sit back in our spiritual laurels all the time and just think we're going to take life at ease, we're going to enjoy just the, the time that, boy, our hearts are on the mountaintop with the Lord and that's just where we're going to live all the time and there's never going to be any battles. There's never going to be any things that we have to stand against. There's never going to be some things we have to uh, roll our sleeves up and dig into here spiritually. Then we are, we are vastly deceiving ourselves. Because Satan is certainly trying to destroy us. Um, He's real. I don't want to give him more credit than he deserves. He doesn't do anything that God doesn't allow him to do. And aren't you glad that at the end of the day, when God is done with all of time, that Satan thinks he's going to get all these people together and fight God, and God's just going to speak the Word, and Satan's going to be defeated. Satan doesn't have... The Bible says, "...greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world." I'm thankful that even though he is a powerful being, I'm not able to stand up to him, but I have someone inside of me who is. And that's what the Christian has. That's what we cling to for victory in the Christian life. Joseph Smith doesn't have these things. He certainly is is holding to some things. I personally believe that there was something to the seer stone that literally would happen for him to to continue to use it throughout his lifetime and not depart from it and, and choose some other thing to use But he does. He goes into, uh, if you look on the back page there, Connection to Freemasonry and the cult, Joseph's involvement in the occultism. uh, He would uh, always be looking for treasure. Uh, He didn't make a whole lot of money. At one time he was arrested uh, for this. He was charged with a vagrant act, found guilty of this as a disorderly person. Uh, There wasn't any penalty made because it was probably his first time. Uh, But he was dealing with this. It was something that back in that day, uh, was looked at as a, a vagrant act, as a difficult thing, uh, something that was uh, uh, not acceptable in the public society. Nowadays, it's, it's lauded. Uh, our society follows after it wholeheartedly and doesn't have any worry about that. Uh, occultism, the sort of Mormonism. Shortly after this uh, money digging, he kept his seer stone. And this is what he uses, supposedly, to find uh, the golden tablets Uh, He uses it later on to translate the Book of Mormon supposedly letter by letter. And uh, so that's an important fact to a Mormon. Because if it was translated letter by letter and not phrase by phrase, where there could be a mistake writing it down, you can't make much of a mistake if you miss a letter. You're still going to probably get the word right. It's important to know that, that they believe that it was translated letter by letter by looking at the seer stone because when there's a problem with the Book of Mormon, they cannot come back and say, well, they just missed that word or they missed that phrase. It was given one letter at a time. And so that's another thing that can be well used uh, when you start showing uh, the problems with the Book of Mormon to a Mormon. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, in uh, the occult parallels to the LDS temple down at the bottom, um, we shared some of the points that uh, are very similar. This is written by a man by the name of Michael Quinn. Uh, they're revealed from God, by God from the beginning. These are things that they hold to. Uh, they place an emphasis on the worthiness of the initiates. Uh, they include washings, anointings, a new name, and garments. So a lot of this is involved in the temple uh, service, the temple procedure that they go through. Uh, there are lesser and greater rituals um, there, I didn't get to this point, and this is about where we left off last week, so I want to pick up here. They feature uh, this presentation of, of these rituals through drama. This is a requirement. Uh, I shared last week, very carefully, uh, there's a well-known television host that uh, several years ago did a uh, uh, Man in the Moon presentation uh, on his television show. He's a well-known Mormon. And the reason being is Joseph Smith had a vision of uh, what he called the men in the moon. And the men in the moon were uh, people that lived on the moon that dressed in Quaker outfits. And, of course, this was before space exploration, so uh, they didn't know any better. They thought that was part of it. Uh, Again, another one of his prophecies, it wasn't true. But now they've made it an allegory. And so they use it as a, a symbolic thing rather than a literal thing. And now they're supposed to display this in, uh, in drama. I noticed this on this fellow's uh, television show several years ago and sat there and listened to a few moments of it. And it teaches good moral values and things that are there, and it sounds really good until you realize that it's dealing with co- uh, uh, cosmology and the, uh, the study of the stars and the, re- the worship of uh, the sun, moon, and stars. Um, and uh, they, they use the word uh, God or Heavenly Father, But many times they're referring to heavenly bodies that are up there. Uh, Now, just about a year or so ago, I was able to uh, turn a station on that had the uh, Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Uh, I love listening to music, so I thought, well, I'm going to listen for a moment. They're certainly a great choir as far as their, their music is concerned their their sound is concerned. I listened for a little while and realized, and it was right around Christmas time, realized that they were putting on a big drama performance. And once again, they brought up this guy of the man in the moon. And I, I'm scratching my head wondering, what is this all about? I don't understand it. And lo and behold, this is all part of what they deal with. It has to be presented in a dramatic format to illustrate uh, the, uh, uh, where we've come from and, and where we're able to go to and as far as the celestial kingdoms. And they use the man in the moon as, as this uh, storyteller, if you will, for this dramatic production. Uh, they use uh, prominent features of the sun, moon, and stars, key symbols. Again, a lot of this uh, the, the Freemasonry movement also uses. The purpose of the ritual is to assist mortals to attain godhood. And so this is part of their endowments, this is part of what they use to get to the celestial kingdom. They employ titles, offices of prophets, priests, and kings to so those in leadership. And after presenting this material, uh, this fellow named Quinn comments to be sure Masonic rituals also shared some similarities with the ancient mysteries. But these were not linked to any concept of heavenly ascent, which was fundamental to both the occult mysteries and to the Mormon endowment. Therefore, what similarities may possess, may exist between Freemasonry and Mormonism seem more appropriately to be regarded as superficial, whereas the ancient occult mysteries in the Mormon endowment manifest both philosophical and structural kinship. And so, while on the surface, the ties of Freemasonry and the LDS Church seem to be just superficial, just double-using of symbols, the truth is they both have their roots in ancient occultism. And, uh, again, this is coming from a fellow who uh, has been there. He's been a part of that movement. Uh, If you go to any of the Mormon tabernacle or temples that are in the United States, I think they have 12 of them right now in the United States, if I'm not mistaken. And you look at them. In fact, you can, get, you can go online and get pictures of them uh, on, uh, through a uh, Google search or something along those lines. And you look up at the architecture, beautiful buildings, but you will find the Masonic symbols up there. You'll find stars, an upside-down star usually, uh, which also is symbolic of a, of a satanic ritual or an occult ritual of, an, of a goat head. Uh, they have uh, crescent moons. They have a field of stars. They have all of these things. And up at the very, very top, they have an angel, uh, usually on the top spire, and that's supposed to be indication of the angel Moroni that came down and uh, supposedly helped Joseph Smith to find the tablets and uh, help with the translation work. Uh, so it's very, very important to understand that there's a tie here uh, between these two. Masonry's influence on Mormonism began. Uh, Joseph Smith noted, uh, has been noted by a number of historians. Some of the areas impacted by the Masonic lore and rituals Include the Book of Mormon itself, Joseph's personal life, and the LDS temple ceremony. All of those reflect some of the practices of the Masonic temple. Uh, Freemasonry, if you go down and look at the masonry stuff, uh, it's got a very complex story. We're not going to make a study tonight of Freemasonry other than to say it is steeped in occultism. Uh, they have some very, uh, everything is, it revolves around symbols and symbols and, uh, symbols and uh, types Uh, symbolic type things, Uh, so they have literal symbols that represent other things. And and you can, maybe one of these days we'll deal with uh, dealing with Freemasons as well down the road uh, because that is such a a difficult one. Joseph's personal involvement in Freemasonry, uh, many of the saints, the early uh, LDS church folks were Masons. Joseph's brother Hiram, uh, Herbert Kimball, Elijah Fordham, uh, Newell Whitney, uh, James Adams, and John C. Bennett were the acquiescence of the prophet, uh, members of the church already. These uh, Masons petitioned the Grand Master of or, uh, Masons petitioned the Grand Master of Illinois for permission to set up a lodge uh, in Nauvoo. And on March 15th, uh, they gave the authority to set that up. They inducted Joseph Smith to become a member. Joseph Smith. Uh, this is found in the history of the church, which is a volume written and cared for by the LDS Church. So again, this is their source. In Volume 4, page 551, under the date of March 15th, it reads, In the evening I received the first degree in Freemasonry and the uh, Nabu Lodge, assembled in my general business office. The record for the next day reads, I was in the Masonic Lodge and rose to the sublime degree. There was a lot of discussion back during that time at how quickly Joseph Smith rose in the ranks to to the sublime degree In the Masonic Temple. He was there at the start of that particular lodge and accelerated in just a short period of time what takes some of the Masons years of investment into that organization to reach uh, as far as the uh, uh, place where they get to uh, a high level in the Mason uh, movement. Uh, How did his membership affect the development of the Mormon Church? Well, most significant area appears to be the development of the temple ceremonies. Now, temple ceremonies are very, very secretive. They're not supposed to be divulged, what goes on in there. You cannot walk into a temple. Uh, There are 12 of the temples around the country. Uh, You cannot walk into the temple unless you have what's called a temple recommendation. Even if you're a good standing Mormon, uh, you have to have what's called a temple recommendation by your stake president and uh, some of the other uh, guys that are in authority. Uh, They have to come together on a panel and give you uh, they have to look at your life, your uh, testimony that they call it, uh, the fact that you've uh, uh, held faithful to the Mormon church. Uh, they, you have to have that recommendation to even go into the temple. And that's where you get baptized. So uh, if you are not baptized in the temple, if you're not married in one of the Mormon temples, then you don't make it to the celestial heaven. So this is a big thing for the Mormons. And what takes place inside that, that uh, Mormon ceremony in a large part, is, is the same things that take place uh, in the Masonic Lodge. All right? I'm going to take a, a break there. We're going to come back next week. But I do want you, before we go, I want to read one other passage of Scripture to you. And I uh, was going to get to this. I'll let you think on it this week, and then we'll deal with it next week uh, when we come back. First Samuel chapter number 28. First Samuel chapter number 28. In 1 Samuel 28, it says in verse number 7, Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit in Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee divine unto me by the familiar spirit, And bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits. So it was against the law uh, of Israel. And the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, I want to stop right there for just a moment. Samuel did not come forth because of the woman's divination. Samuel came forth because God allowed Samuel to go and to tell Saul some things that God wanted him to do. But Saul had already messed up, hadn't he? Saul had already done what God had commanded they weren't supposed to do. And notice this, and we get to verse number 13. Then said the woman, whom, or verse number 12, And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, What hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. So. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid. For what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God's ascending out of the earth. Little g, plural. This isn't God. But God's descending or ascending out of the earth he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. Now, I just want to mention this. This stuff is real. When these Mormons talk about the fact that they believe things to be true because they had what they call the burning of the bosom, the feeling that is inside of them. Folks, this is something that by their own testimony... Even people that have come out of Mormonism and have now trusted Christ as their Savior, they will tell you it was a real thing that happened to them. This is not something for us to mess around with. We need to be aware of it. We need to know what it is. But we need to understand that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. But we need to know what we're facing when we're dealing with Mormons. There is a a very strong, very powerful occult and satanic... Uh, moving in their life. So much so, and Satan is known as the great deceiver, so much so that he has deceived them. The Bible said that in the last days there will come such a deceit that if it's possible for the very elect to be deceived, they will also be deceived. We've got to be careful of those things uh, that we do not get wrapped up in. One of the highest percentage of groups out there that convert from their religion to Mormonism our Baptists and the reason is we've not grounded ourselves in the Word of God we don't know our own doctrine we don't know our own Word of God and folks I'm telling you we're going to Lord willing in the next uh, week I'm going to finish this up quickly we'll jump into uh, a study on our Bible I think that's a, that's a bare-bones study that that I mean this is this is uh, you know Bible 101 that we need to be aware of. Most of us haven't even studied enough about it to to be that far along in it. So we're going to be sharing some of that stuff. Uh, Folks, we need to be grounded. We need to be well prepared uh, to give an answer, uh, to be able to talk to folks. I hope these resources will be helpful to you. I I know it's an odd thing to do on Wednesday nights. We've been doing this, trying to help with leading people to the Lord for almost a year now on Wednesday nights. And uh, sometimes we get good preaching. In there as well, but sometimes it's just teaching us and training us how to be better at telling people how to be saved and uh, knowing where they're coming from and being able to deal with that from a biblical perspective. All right? So let's be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you bless it and use it. And, uh, Lord, for the time that we've spent studying about some things here, uh, that Mormons would understand and realize that, Joseph Smith certainly does not bear the fruit. He does not meet the criteria of the true prophet. Lord, may we understand these truths and be able to hold to them and uh, use them uh, skillfully to be able to uh, be used by you to hopefully show a Mormon uh, the truth of your word. And so, Father, bless us this week. I pray that you bring uh, opportunity for us to share the gospel with someone this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.